Imagine after listening to a season full of podcast episodes, it all ends up to be the dream of a snow globe shaking Tommy Westfall. You know, Eric, I once had a nightmare about snow globes. Did you? Yeah. When I woke, I was really shaken up. Oh, okay, Rick Ocasek. <laughs> but, you know, if you caught that dream sequence, St. Elsewhere reference in your opening line, you might have an inkling about what this episode is all about. I'm Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. We're your hosts of the Pop Trash Podcast, where we trash talk pop topics, but with love, of course. Well, and as Tony Maselli once told us, there's a time for love and a time for living. <laughs> I'm the boss here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a Hallmark poem right there. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Today, in honor of our last episode of our Top of the Flop season, we're going to be talking about famous finales. But of course, we'll be focusing on the ones that didn't quite stick the landing. Ah, you're not Eric Griggs, you're Carrie Strug. <laughs> Maybe infamous flops. Ooh. So, you know, should we try to wrap up this season better than some of the shows we're going to talk about today? Why not? Let's begin. Today's episode will be a clip show of all the past seven episodes. <laughs> It'll be like the Golden Girls when they eat cheesecake and are like, remember the time? And then they don't have to act for a whole episode. They just do repeats. I'm all for that. How much can we phone in? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Paul Simon once sang that there were 50 ways to leave your lover. And I think there are about that many ways to spoil a TV series with a dud last episode. It all hinges on expectations, right? Because one person could think a series finale flopped and another thinks it's the best thing ever because it really comes down to perception of what you think should happen in your mind. If you had written this finale, what should happen? And so, yeah, there are 50 million ways to make people angry. <laughs> yes. Okay. There's a difference between a dud last episode, a polarizing last episode mm. And then an episode that everybody thinks like got it right. So the interesting thing, we've been exploring flops all season. Today is a little bit different because some of the flops or finale failures were some of the biggest ratings uh, juggernauts, the biggest financial successes, but it's more flopping in a different way. The court of public opinion. In the court of public opinion. <laughs> what I was going to say, I think there are some formulas for last episode flops. So I have a couple, I have like five, I don't know if you want to call them formulas, recipes, ingredients. They're sort of like the, the I don't know what you want to call it, but basically like the, the themes of a last episode that I think is destined to flop. Do you want to hear oh, what they are? Absolutely. All right. The first one is, and we alluded to this already, it was all a dream. Mm. Right? Roseanne ventured into this territory too, where the family won the lottery right. and they were all became millionaires. And in the last episode, you realized that it was kind of all a dream and that Dan, John Goodman's character, died from a heart attack and was never really around that season. Anyway, it was just very weird, but mm. all like all a dream. So my my theory is. Anytime your last episode ends with a dream, you're dangerously teetering on dud or flop episode. This is a trope. It's a cliche. It's overused or, or shouldn't be used because it kind of pulls the rug out from the viewers who have invested their time. And nothing is worse than having the rug pulled out from under you, which has <laughs> never happens, but we or always make that <laughs> metaphor. Number two. Giving obscure characters from the past too much responsibility for the outcome. 
That's very complicated. Can you explain more, counselor? <laughs> say, say more. Well, so I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert for a show that ended 15 years ago or whatever it ended, but like Lost. There is, I think, a character on that show who doesn't play very much of a role in any of the seasons prior, maybe a handful of episodes, who ends up having such like enormous responsibility placed on them for the outcome of the show. Mm. And why I disliked that was because you spend, you know, seasons bonding with these character arcs and their stories only to be kind of like given a like, oh, but you didn't pay attention to this one. And this one was really the one that was responsible for a bunch of stuff. It just uh, it felt like less than satisfying to me. The old switcheroo. Yeah, definitely. And you would feel like the rug was pulled right out. From the <laughs> <room>. <laughs> Third one, the overly sentimental. So like where something sweet and seemingly unbelievable and sappy happens to every single cast member to wrap up a show. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all about like the investment, the uh, economists would say the sunk costs, you know, mm. you've, you've gone so far and however many seasons they have and the more time and effort you put into a show and you've gotten to know the characters, I think it's more likely that there's going to be that sentimental finale. Okay. So I don't, I don't want to like, I'm not castigating all sentimentality. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like overly sentimental. The fourth one is ridiculous outcomes that aren't plausible to the premise of the show or that are just so goofy that it feels kind of out of left field. Okay. The example I have here is Night Court, where literally in the last episode, Bull is abducted by aliens and sent to Jupiter, Florida. That really happened? Well, yeah. Oh, I totally, I mean, you're more well-versed in that show, but yeah, crazy left turns that leave you like WTF. Why do that to people? It, it's like pulling the rug out from under them. <laughs> <laughs> and number five, I'll say it in my movie voice. The mysterious cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. A lot of people that makes them mad. And people are like, what? You just pulled the rug out from under me. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. I think we have the um, course syllabus for today's adventure. <laughs> Actually, we have two great series finales that we're going to talk about that I know of. You picked one. I picked one. I know what your pick is, and it's more interesting than mine. <laughs> My okay. pick, I pick because it's like the elephant in the room. Like, we have to talk about it. It is such a touchstone and so controversial. And I just picked Seinfeld to say... Let's talk about this and what has maybe migrated in opinions on this finale and why was it so polarizing? Larry David still doubles down and says, no, it's a great finale. No, everybody's wrong, which is not surprising for Larry <laughs> David. <laughs> I think a majority of people, critics and viewers alike, hated the ending. And when you look back on it, I find it fascinating that it was probably the most watched show at the time. It was super popular. There was a media blitz and campaign months before about how is it going to end? And there was such an anticipation after nine seasons. And how can you ever live up to that type of anticipation? I think where they might have gone astray is like they felt the need to cater to it being a big affair or this grand finale that you kind of expect from a series finale. There's nothing that you could write that would satisfy people, I think is an interesting place to begin. We could start there because I disagree with you on almost all of that. <laughs> <laughs> there are other examples of TV shows that also had overhyped 
finales that managed to do just fine with it. Um, Mary Tyler Moore is a good one. MASH is a good one. I think MASH is technically the most watched finale in history. And mm-hmm. so there's ways to have a legendary show end with a bit of a, a, a good or a decent last episode without. So it's like, I don't buy the overhypedness thing. You watch it now. And I think another thing that people didn't like is it kind of thumbed its nose at everything, at the viewers, at the expectations. And what the finale did was applying this kind of morality or layer of judging these characters that they should be in a court and they should be judged. I see it as like, okay, a bunch of people who generally care about nothing uh-huh. end up in the end not having much of anything. Yeah. Selfish characters. Oh, That's yeah. That's probably how I would describe them. Okay, Self-centered or selfish characters. Okay. And by laughing throughout nine seasons and just coming back for more of these four people and then a finale where they kind of get their comeuppance. Yeah, I think that makes sense. There's a little bit of like, oh... It was a show about nothing with characters that had, you know, basically not much of a moral compass. And essentially they kind of get what they deserve in the last episode, maybe a Mm -hmm. bit. You know, did the viewers and the critics hate the last episode or did they really just hate themselves? Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) It's almost like a moral judgment on you by identifying with the characters, you as the viewer. I mean, the funniest thing about it all is like, who really, it doesn't really matter because... Mm -hmm. That show went on to syndication and 10 bazillion people watched it. But that in itself is kind of a cool plot twist. And it also makes me think, and you rewatched it recently, it probably holds up better today than it did in 1998, right? Or 97, whenever it ended. What did it end? Yeah, I, I, it was uh, May 14th, 1998. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, rewatching it now, I remember. I remember being among the folks who watched it in real time and anticipation and feeling like, huh, that was off. I didn't hate it like other people did. It wasn't so bad that it derailed the entire series Mm -hmm. to the point where people stopped talking about it, stopped engaging with it, stopped watching it. I'm sure there were polarizing finales before Seinfeld, but I feel like that was a turning point. And after 98 into the 2000s and up to today, I think there's a shift away from episodic television to more serialized TV. And serialized shows have a higher stakes than typical sitcoms that are like, this is the same character that are character driven. Serialized TV, you're invested in the plot. And so if you really screw up a finale, that tends to ruin the rewatchability of what has come before it. Whereas with a sitcom that's episodic, you can have this unfunny finale, but people remember all of the episodes, like you said, that came before it. And in syndication, you can watch them in any order, you can enjoy them. But with serialized TV, you don't get that. And you have a Game of Thrones or something, again, that you've invested your time, energy, and attention in. And you're like, well, that's that's terrible. or lost. I never want to go back and watch that again, right? There's that feeling that it's been ruined somehow. 
you know, every season of that show, especially once it hit like zeitgeist level, there was at least a couple episodes where you were watching and it was just laugh out loud funny. Like I still viscerally mm-hmm. remember my mother watching the episode where George Costanza gets out of the pool and <laughs> someone sees like his shriveled up pool penis. <laughs> she lost it. She had to go to the bathroom because she was laughing so hard and like for five minutes had the church giggles. Well, I just got back from swimming in the pool. And the water was cold. Uh, you mean shrinkage? Yes. <laughs> Significant shrinkage. And yeah. I think that's what people were expecting from that last episode. Mm-hmm. And you aren't going to necessarily get that from the last episode. I don't think there's anything that's like so funny that, or so memorable, given how many like, you know, premises of that show are memorable from the smelly valet to, you know, the the softball game with Bette Midler to throwing coffee on the marathon runners to the soup mm-hmm. Nazi. You know, it's all these different bits mm-hmm. that like that had a punch in pop culture. I don't think you necessarily get that from the last episode. And I think that's fine. That first segment ended perfectly. And now I'm leaping to a different time period. Oh, oh, I can feel my body getting all staticky. What we're talking about, of course, is the leap that Sam Beckett went through on Quantum Leap whenever he had uh, at the end of an episode, like the perfect transition to leap to the next story that was going to be the next episode. And so we're about to talk about the last episode of Quantum Leap. I love the show. Yeah, I feel like this show probably needs a bit of a plot explanation. If you loved it, you loved it. And if it was not your type of show, you did not pay attention to the show. Yeah, I don't think anybody like hated the show. I just think if you didn't really get it, like you Mm -hmm. didn't really watch it. It's kind of like, I don't know, it feels a little bit like Matlock to me. It's like nobody really hates Matlock. It's just either your (laughs) cup of your cup of chamomile tea or your cup of whatever. Oh, my God. Give me Columbo, Diagnosis Murder, Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, any of them. Well, people solving crimes and bringing justice. Ooh, let's talk about that. That's season three. Yeah, old people solving crimes. So the premise of Quantum Leap, basically two characters. You have Sam, played by Scott Bakula, who's a scientist who invents a time traveling, I guess, apparatus, whatever you want to call it, that enables him to be able to travel through different periods of time and go back and change history for the better. And then you have Dean Stockwell's character, Al, who is more or less like Sam's spiritual mentor and helps guide him through every leap that he does back in time. Is that how you explain it? Yes, but I would add one thing to the time travel. It's not just him going back in time. He's actually leaping into the bodies of people who have some wrong that needs to be made right. And he physically takes over their book. Sorry, I just, <laughs> I just did, got did left. Did you just get leaped? <laughs> I, just got, I just got left into it. <laughs> 
what was I saying? <laughs> well, before you ate that corn nut, you were saying that, that yes, you're right. Sam Beckett, when he leaps, he inhabits the body of the person that he's like jumping back in time to. Let's say it's like, you know, a bartender in the Wild West or if it's like a nun from the 1950s. Yes, it's a very high concept show. It takes a certain type of person who's going to watch us. It does. I, one unique thing about the show is there's two cast members. Right. I mean, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of, you know, like regulars and guests and all mm-hmm. that. But like, and the theme song is like 11 minutes. Oh my God. I, I could, when I rewatched this finale, I was like, oh, this is a great theme song. And I was like, holy crap, it's going on forever. Are they going to have enough time to wrap this up? <laughs> Quantum Leap fits to me into the trope of mysterious cliffhanger. It's mm-hmm. not entirely that show's fault, though. They thought they were going to get a sixth season, and they did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they made basically a last episode that was going to tee up a finale season, and it just leaves viewers feeling super dissatisfied with a storyline that they had invested you know, four or five years in. I had a vague recollection of seeing it in real time when it originally aired, but I I wasn't bothered by it. What does that say about me that I'm like, whatever, serve up to me, whatever. Or you're more forgiving. I'm actually not surprised to hear that you like this last episode because there are a number of things that I think like are said in this that feel like right up your alley. I can't wait to get into talking about it. Well, to dig a little deeper into this specific episode, there are some super weird quirks with it that I think are just so funny for a last episode. Um, the, The things I want to pull out are... There's there's two main characters in the show, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they keep them separate for almost the entire episode. And again, th- that wasn't intentional be- mm-hmm. because it wasn't planned as a last episode. But you have Sam stuck in a bar with a bunch of coal miners speaking Russian-Irish accents. <laughs> and <laughs> Al stuck in like a nuclear reactor imaging machine <laughs> in like the dimension that he now lives in, trying to find where Sam went. He ends up inhabiting his own body Mm -hmm. on the day he was born but instead of actually being a newborn he's a 50 some year old 40 some year old man and trying to figure out well what the fuck am i doing here every episode was the fun reveal of he looks into a mirror and he sees the actual face of the person he's inhabiting but this he sees his own reflection the mission of this leap is to right the wrong that he did not correct for his friend al who is mia through most of the episode i think that's that's a nice story beat i i don't mind it because of that it would be a nice story beat i think if it actually got a couple more episodes to continue telling the story or scenes but, together yeah yeah exactly but they don't because they kind of smashed it all together mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel cohesive um but i was going to ask you since you mentioned the mirror thing do you know what is the what does sam say every time he sees himself in the mirror Holy shit. No, he does not. That's what you say. (laughs) That's true. Every day I go, oh God, I need a drink less. (laughs) I wish someone would leap into my body. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) No, he says, oh boy. Does he? Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Every episode he says, oh boy. Uh Uh-huh. Like when somebody brings you a plate of spicy chicken. (laughs) Basically, it's very Matlock. It's very CBS. Like your grandmother is like, this is a nice program, right? (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So the Sam leaps into his body on, I think it was August 6th or August 8th, 1953, and is in a bar 
talking to a bartender, a bunch of locals come in, they're all coal miners. And then you start to realize that some of these coal miners had like maybe spiritual dimensions to them, or the bartender is like a metaphor for God. And it's like, this is where to me, it gets so overly layered with things that if you're just a casual viewer, or even if you're like a, a, a rabid viewer, some of that stuff just isn't going to land with you or, or isn't going to connect in the way I think they meant to do so. And again, it, I blame that on having to fit too much mm-hmm. into an episode that wasn't meant to be the last episode. And then to add insult to injury, they give you title cards telling you the story. And in one of the title cards, they misspell Samuel Beckett's name. No. <laughs> <laughs> they got the call that it was not returning and they just had to put those title yeah. cards up. Like, and, and can we have an intern? Some um, intern, yeah, definitely up. type that up. That is definitely a negative. I will counter with a positive. <laughs> and I, I will say when you reflect on Sam leaping into other people's lives, that our presence in each other's lives touches each other and changes things in ways that we can't anticipate. And that's kind of like the whole show's metaphor. And I know it's not like really in vogue right now because everybody's like, you can't know me, you can't understand me. But the idea of five seasons of exploring what it's like to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, I loved it. I think I'm I'm all in for this and the finale. No, I agree with you on the premise of that. I just think they would have done a better job of honoring that if they had three episodes to tell this final story instead of 47 or 48 minutes or whatever. It definitely needed room to breathe. I think it it is a product exactly of they thought more was coming and they probably just needed to cram it all in. The God bartender, he said, sometimes that's the way it is is the best explanation for things. And I love that because it was like a jumble of philosophy and existence and reality and those big universal questions. And then recognizing sometimes it is what it is. It's not bigger than this. As we're talking about finales, wanting to be full of meaning and bigger than they are, sometimes they should just be what it is. A TV show. (laughs) On NBC. You're trying to get away from your awful, awful job for a half hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There are going to be things we cannot control and we have to figure out a way to just let that be. Mm -hmm. Some some things that we can't know. You know what I mean? We we obviously want to know the answer to everything. And sometimes you're just not going to get the answers. You're not going to get the conclusion that you want. I think that's what we've been talking for whatever the reason a finale is good or bad. People want closure. They want a conclusion. They want to feel satisfied. They want to feel that they got an answer. And sometimes that's not how life happens. Sometimes that's the way it is. You don't get the answers. And to some, that's really off-putting. And some people just accept it. And also with time, like, I think we all just realize none of this shit matters. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's, like, that's a big lesson learned. I mean, yeah. things, like, over time, any kind of pop culture product will even out in the moment we're very passionate about it. But looking back on it, yeah, you kind of recognize the stakes aren't as high as we all thought it was. This is an episode, unlike Seinfeld, this is an episode that most everyone really like hated. There's not a lot of... Um, there's not People a lot like of me. Yeah, <laughs> but what's really interesting is unlike Seinfeld, this show is getting a reboot. Mm-hmm. Or a continuation, which... Yes. 
that is interesting and very on brand that you can kind of go back and fix a finale that people were disappointed in. And I really think that Quantum Leap is the type of show that you could pick up on later and make it interesting and relevant because of the themes that it explored. But you were saying you don't think the premise would land in today's culture where people get to walk a mile in someone else's shoes? I think people's minds are not oriented that way right now because everybody wants to believe so much so in their own individuality. And I think what Quantum Leap was saying was, yes, everybody's individual stories matter. He leapt into a specific person, but as the show went along, he learned from the people that he leapt into, the situations that presented him with had you know, moral dilemmas and he had to learn about different people. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that we need, touching each other's lives instead of being like, you don't know me. I, I think you could explore contemporary issues like that in a quantum leap continuation in a really interesting way if you handle that with adept writers. So do you think the reboot will work? I hope it happens and I hope people tune in because I think continuing this franchise could work where nine times out of 10, I think keeping a franchise going is a bad idea. Just let it, let it be what it is. Don't, don't try to continue it. Mm, Okay. All right. Obviously Al can't be part of it because Dean Stockwell is now dead. Right. So they'll have to reconfigure who that character is. Uh Is there a veteran actor that you would love to see play Al? Oh, well, since they're not doing the Murder, She Wrote reboot with Octavia Spencer, she would be an amazing Al. You know, if they cast cast me in the role, you could call me Al. Oh, brother. A Paul Simon (laughs) reference to close us at the end. Look at that. That was totally Uh, unintentional. After that pun, I wish this was all a dream. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've reached the finale of our finale episode. It's either a good ending or a bad ending. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> I'm a man witch, like the sandwich. <laughs> they say all good things must come to an end. Eric, what did we learn? Not much. <laughs> no, that's not true. I would say we all learned a lot from our Wikipedia and IMDb research. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're taking a short break over the rest of the summer and we'll be back in the fall with season three of more of whatever this is. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed this episode and the entire season, which you can listen to. Find them anywhere you get your podcasts. We'll see you in the fall and may all your leaps be quantum. Including your leaps of solace. (laughs) That joke, I don't know. I'm going to stick with it because I like it. Well, talk about a finale flop, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Let's cut it there. (laughs) 